Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm your host, my name is Greg Mahochko, joining me as always, he is our founder and fearless leader, and I mean, we're just going to have to start calling him the Silver Fox, John Damn Johnston. What's up, John? Chocolate rain. I don't know the rest of the words, but chocolate rain. You don't you know mean, that song? I, I I know purple rain. You didn't. You didn't. Oh my god! Wait, you guys are old. Yeah, you've never heard this song. Chocolate rain. I think it was Ty Sunday. It was a big YouTube hit. Okay, let's move on already. God, God. You know, he, he he would turn his head away from the mic and then he so he wouldn't breathe into the mic and Okay, that's uh, that just flew out there like a brick. Well let me tell Maybe you a little Todd, bit about YouTube celebrities. Todd could do this Todd could do this trick where he disappears into his background and it's really creepy. <laughs> like that Homer Simpson gif, right? Yeah, it is actually, and it's terrifying because it's a little red, and it's like he gets absorbed into little red. If he held his head exactly right, he could be like, oh, "I'm little red. My head's been transplanted on little red's body." I think what what he should do sometime uh, as like a bonus bonus clip for our, our viewers over on YouTube is you know have his back to the camera and then walk and kind of morph into little red. Oh yeah, that'd be kind of cool. I suppose uh, you don't know the song, the my he my yaha thing either. Okay, we should just go on. <laughs> oh God, my he my ya. Is that the is that, is that like one of the first like internet videos with the I'll I'll put it gently the the rotund individual in glasses that Numa Numa thing where he goes. Yeah, yes, yeah, okay. yeah. I yeah. remember that from almost twenty years okay, ago. Thank God. We just this one's falling flat. Let's go on to something else. Like, what, how you doing, Todd? I'm doing real well. Thank you. Glad to hear it, Todd. Uh, so, was I, I? You guys have to forgive me. My mind is scattered, and I, I wasn't on last week's show. Uh, was the was your meetup in Minneapolis two weeks ago? Right. Yeah. Okay, and everything went well. Yeah. And we saw each other about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were kind of restricted to where we could uh, both be. And, um, you know, there were, John, when you counted the play, everybody that was on the field and the people in the stands and stuff, there were 200, 200 people? Yeah, 200, 250. Yeah, that was all that was in there. And uh, I mean, I, I literally had... I posted photos on Facebook. Todd took a photo of me in U.S. Bank Stadium. It, literally, I'm a small dot in this enormous empty stadium. It's because there. Were, I th- I think I was the only non-team photographer there. Wow. Yeah. When you were up in the box, I mean, there was almost no press. There was. Uh, well, you can tell them who was up there. Yeah. No, there were there were just three of us. Well, four four of us up there. Now the the radio guys were up above, so I'm not sure who was up there. But, you know, the Nebraska SID was there. Uh, one of the writers, Evan Bland, for the Omaha World Herald was there. And then some young man from Arizona that works for some scouting service 
was up there and he was running cameras and doing a lot of that kind of stuff. So, um, but it was, it was strange, but boy, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun watching baseball. And, uh, of those 200 people, tw- probably, I don't know, 25 to 30 of them had to be scouts at least. There were quite a few scouts. <laughs> there. there were a lot yeah. of scouts. I, I'm wondering. There were, a lot of, there were a lot of scouts very interested in Cade Bovich. I was wondering, uh, Todd, in, in regards to the amount of press uh, that were on, you know, press row. Uh, at let's let's be frank, it's not that different from a normal Big Ten baseball game. Because as we all know, baseball is just, you know, underrepresented in, in Big Ten sports media. Yeah, I think you're probably right there. Um, it's it's frustrating when you think about it because, you know, there was no one there from the University of Iowa. Yeah. And um, they don't know how to know, drive that far north. No, it's not. And uh, so that that was a little bit surprising. And I don't know, you know, it's. I Ohio guess State. Ohio State usually has a fair number of guys. I mean, I mean, I've been to, I covered baseball now for a long time and been credentialed to it. And Nebraska, you could take all of the rest of the Big Ten media and add it up, and it wouldn't equal what Nebraska's usually doing for coverage. Yeah. But normally, you know, there's normally been a few guys there for Ohio State and. Uh, Oh man, yeah, the Ohio State guys stand out. <laughs> well, I know you guys talked quite quite a bit about that uh, weekend on on last week's show, so I encourage anybody to to go back and and listen to that. Uh, now, after we had uh, last week's recording, of course, with uh, Todd and John, uh, there was a little thing known as the NCAA Wrestling Championship, St. Louis, Missouri. And Todd, you're here as not just our baseball reporter, but our wrestling <laughs> reporter as well. You got to put on a different hat. Well, I'll, I'll keep the same hat that I have on. But you know, the, last weekend was just great for me because they were the, there was a lot of coverage of the wrestling tournament, and then you had Nebraska playing the three game series against Iowa and uh, on BTM Plus. So I was I was in hog heaven. Um, Nebraska had to ended up with two All-Americans down in St. Louis. And I think, you know, for most people that follow Nebraska wrestling, I think that's a disappointment. I think that the expectations were significantly higher. The team finished in 12th place and going into that tournament, I think that a lot of people believe that they would be contending for one of the four trophies. Um, and they just, they just didn't, you know, and, I, I kind of reflected a little bit on it. I, this team was primed a year ago. I truly do believe if they'd wrestled that national tournament a year ago up in Minneapolis, Nebraska would have placed in the top four. They, they just seemed to be peaking at the right time. They did not wrestle well overall down in St. Louis. Um, now, Mikey Labriola at 174, he ended up as an All-American placing third. I thought he wrestled outstanding. He just... He had a very good tournament, and he was, you know, just moments away from, you know, getting into the finals. And um, then Chad Red battled back and ended up as an All-American for the fourth. What does it mean they'd be an All-American in wrestling? Is it uh, you top, play top six? Top eight. Oh, top, top eight. What's that? Top eight. First through eighth place is All-American. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, I did not know that. But, you know, the rest of the team, you know, um, just did not perform. And, you know, I, I, I had hopes the way the tournament was kind of unfolding. I had hopes that Taylor Venz was going to um, get in there and because uh, he wrestled a really good match against uh, the, the Brooks kid from Penn State um, who ended up being a national champion. He just – but then he just faded. And, you know, um, Schultz – at 197, uh, you know, I think after he got upset, um, you know, in the first round, he got upset, the fifth, you know, the number two seed. Um, I just, he won a match in Constellations. He might have won two in Constellations, but I just don't think his head was in it. So it's too bad. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, there were some lessons learned. There's some good guys coming back. Um, you know, I haven't heard about the seniors if they're planning on, you know, taking advantage of this opportunity and wrestling another year yet. But um, hopefully, like I said, hopefully there's a learning experience and they come back tough next year. I have a couple questions. Uh, um, one of them being like, I know that the Big Ten is a wrestling powerhouse, uh, much like they are, you know, honestly, men's basketball, volleyball. Um, but there's something about wrestling that, and maybe it's just the individual nature of, of the of the contest, but there's so much parity. It doesn't matter if you're Nebraska, Penn State, Iowa, or Valdosta. I don't know, random. I don't even know if they have wrestling, but you know, uh, it's it's going to be. You could be zero and five against the guy, and then meet him at the right time and and, and flip the yeah. script on him. So, um, but so that that's one thing. The other, and I'm glad you mentioned Taylor Vince because that's a name that I. Remember, you know, I don't, you know, Chad read too, but you know, Taylor Vince is one. I feel like he was a senior, correct? Um, yeah. So it, like you said, it'd be interesting to see who takes advantage of this, uh, you know, extra year. But at the same time, it's, uh, unless you're the elite, the Jordan Burroughs, you know, of your weight class and, and you're looking for, I mean, there's not a whole lot of opportunity out there for, you know, collegiate wrestlers, I mean, they can go pro. We all know what that means, and that's not quite, uh, you know, um, but, you know, then there's, you know, trying for world championships, you know, Olympics, or, I mean, I guess there have been a number of wrestlers who've gone on to some some type of success in UFC. So, I mean, that I feel like there's a few avenues, but it's not, you know, and, and I guess we, we look at that as, oh, that, that might seem like they have a lot of avenues when you look at, you know, a, a college football player who has the NFL, the CFL, or had the XFL, you know, for a, a hiccup. So, I mean, I don't know. There's This doesn't seem like there's as much awareness for, and I think this is probably, um, you know, problematic sport-wide. There's just not a whole lot of awareness for wrestling. No, I, I would agree with you. And, and, you know, unless some of those guys, you know, just – have these unmet goals and are incredibly driven. Um, you know, I would, or if they have aspirations of wrestling, you know, if they still have aspirations of competing internationally, you know, Olympics, world championships and that kind of stuff. You know, I think that there's probably, you know, quite a few of them that will just say, you know what, I've given it my best. I'm done. It's time to move on with life. Um, Got my degree, you know, yeah. have, have said that they're going to do that. 
Um, you know, but, uh, you know, there's, I just want to mention a couple other things and we can move on from this wrestling tournament. You know, um, I know that there's a lot of people that always say, you know, stick to sports and, you know, they don't, they don't want social commentary. They get upset with athletes getting involved, you know, and some that kind of stuff. But there's a couple of things I just want to mention that came from this tournament. Todd, are you going to go political one, on us? I'm not going to get political. Okay. Um, the first one is that Stanford, um, you know, when the whole COVID thing kind of started blowing up, Stanford announced that they're going to cut 11 sports. Stanford which has endowments up the yin-yang. If there's any college in the United States of America that can subsidize sports, it's Stanford. Now, they offer more sports than probably any other university in the country. But they announced that they're going to cut 11. Well, the wrestling community out there, you know, they kind of took the bull by the horns, and they have raised $12.4 million dollars to keep wrestling going at Stanford, to endow the coaching positions, et cetera. Those and scholarships Stanford, as well, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and and exactly. And um, Stanford has said, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna add it back. Now, here's the kicker. Stanford qualified, I think, like seven guys for the NCAA tournament. It's not like it was a bad a bad sport for Stanford. I mean, they were a school on the rise. Stanford had a national champion hmm. at 167 pounds or 165 pounds, a national champion. And what was really interesting is, you know, Stanford, um, you know, their colors are that dark red and white. The wrestlers all wore solid black singlets, solid black warm-ups. To protest, you know, the, the dropping of the sport. Good. And when that kid won the, his national championship at 165 pounds, everybody in the arena stood up and applauded. And he kind of stood at the center of the mat, but they were applauding, you know, his effort under very difficult circumstances. Um, this cop out that major universities are using, whether they're blaming it on COVID whether they're blaming it on Title IX or whatever their excuses are for dropping minor sports, it just sickens me. Um, and I hope that some some brighter people can figure this out, um, particularly at Stanford with their wrestling program. Um, the other thing that I would want to tell you is that in college wrestling, there's 10 weight classes. This year, of the 10 national champions, Five were African-Americans, which is the highest number of African-Americans to win a national title in the same year. And of those five African-Americans, I think four of the five are, excuse me, be three of the five are either a freshman or a sophomore. Hmm. Um, so one of them is that baddest man on earth that wrestles at 285 Minnesota. From, uh, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> Gable Stevenson. Um, but, you know, that's that's something, too, with, you know, all the attention on the social aspects of what's been going on in this country um, that that mark was made at this tournament. So, anyway. Do, do you think, I, I mean, we talked uh, about 
a lack of media representation for you know Big Ten baseball and 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 a lack of spotlight on you know NCAA wrestling. I know Big Ten Network because of the popularity of the sport in, in, within the conference. You know they had uh, a, a lot of coverage uh, from from the conference uh, tournament and then ESPN. Maybe for and, and I don't say this disparagingly, but I think in in a regular year, I don't know if they show national championship on ESPN. Do they, Todd? Well, they they do, but not as much as they did this. Okay. Year. I mean, you know, they ESPN's gotten progressively better um, at showing this tournament, um, but I'll tell you what, BTN does it better. Yeah, for, of um, course. They do it. They do an excellent job with the production of that tournament. And, uh, but you know, I, I shoot, I remember the first time that, uh, the national finals were covered live. I was in the arena and the public address announcer, you know, he was given the crowd cues before they went on the air. And he, he said, we're about 30 seconds from air, from airtime. I'm going to count you down. And when I get to zero, I want, you to blow the roof off this place, you know, cheer like you've never cheered before, you know? And I mean, it's just, it was kind of hokey and staged, but you know, well, they, but they, that's not, that's not exclusive a year. Well, I guess just over a year ago, uh, before the XFL shut down operations, I took my son, uh, you know, my, my, now my oldest, but at the time he was my only, we went to the, uh, season opener of the St. Louis Battlehawks. And you know they got fifty thousand people, something like that, in in the old the old Edward Jones Dome. Now it's the Dome at America Center, or whatever. It's where the Rams used to play, so it was a uh, you know as good of a fit as possible. Um, but you know it's like it, it, for them it was you know St. Louis. It, I'll be honest, we were on the concourse, and uh, uh, a lot of there was loud chanting for Cronky st- sucks. Uh, so it was more like hey. You know, show show the world that St. Louis is a is a vibrant, full of life football town, uh, and and by extension, a middle finger to Stan Kroenke who pissed away right. a good opportunity. So, so that yeah. that was you know like we're going live in five, four, <laughs> three, go crazy, folks. You know that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Um, but uh, one final thing. It would have been, especially with all of the um, social justice representation, things like that. Have you seen, because I'm, I'm sure you follow, you know, the headlines and things like that more close. Has there been any coverage just on the fact that it was more you know, African-American wrestlers this year uh, winning national championships than any other year previously? Was there any, any type of discussion about that and how, uh, you know, I, I think maybe traditionally the uh, – you know, wrestling is a uh, middle America meathead type of <laughs> uh, sport, and and uh, it's like all walks of life. You know, or was there any any type of engagement from from that perspective that you know of, Todd? One of the one of the primary websites, USA Wrestling, you know, had a good article there, um, but no, it wasn't. You know, it, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, you know. There is, there's never been really a whole lot of conversation about it. You know, um, it is what it is. And I think the thing about wrestling that wrestling folks focus on more than anything else is that it's for the little guy. It's for the big guy. 
it's for the one, you know, you don't, it's for anybody. Right. I mean, anybody, everybody in between. Yeah. Yeah. Can go out there and, you know, with, it's for all the guys who can't play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God, what it is. Well, it, yeah, because all these hometowns across middle America have their basketball teams. And then they have this other set of people who like me, who have no coordination whatsoever. And they go, you need a sport. Here's wrestling. Unlike yeah. my high school, which didn't have wrestling because the fuckers thought it ruined basketball because they're a bunch of wieners. They, uh, you know, I'm not that I'm resentful after 40 years, but I mean, that's, you know, that's wrestling, isn't it? Yeah. Well, to a large extent, in some areas, it truly is because it's the alternative, you know. Yeah. Um, now, in, in other parts of the country, no, it's it's pretty hot, you know, and they'll recruit kids and get them going, you know, at a young age. But um, I can tell you that one of the better teams I ever coached um, one year um, I, these kids, I got five kids out of the same class that all ended up being state qualifiers by the time they graduated from high school that played basketball in eighth grade. Now they wrestled in eighth grade too, but they were on a basketball team in eighth grade. And what they all looked at was that the class in front of them also had some very, very good basketball mm -hmm. players. And they're sitting there thinking, hell, we may be on the bench until we're seniors. And I recruited them hard, and I got them to wrestle, and we had some really, really good years. Did the so, basketball team suck? Basketball team was pretty good because I'll tell you what, that bunch of kids that was in front of them, we had we had about three years for a small school. Um, we had three years where we had good boys basketball, good girls basketball, and good wrestling. I mean, it was fun. It was, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays, that was the place to be was in the gym, you know, watching watching something. So. Yeah. Well, speaking of basketball, uh, there's another Hoiberg coming to Lincoln. <laughs> Sam has accepted a walk-on offer. And this it happened a day or two, I think, after Jack up, uh, entered the transfer portal at Michigan State. So are we going to get three Hoibergs on the sideline? Uh, we'll start with you, John. Sure. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Todd, your crystal ball projection is? Four Hoybergs. Is there already one Nobody on? Nobody can do counting. No, you've got Sam's twin brother, Charlie. Oh. What the hell? How many Hoybergs are there? Well, there's at least three boys that I know of. I think there's another one. Um, there's... Yeah, Jack is at Michigan State, and he's in the portal. Sam's going to walk on, and then Sam has a twin brother named Charlie. That it's not clear, it's not clear if he's going to even play basketball, from what I'm told. Um, you know, it. I don't know. I'm a. I'm not a huge basketball fan. I watch it from time to time. Sometimes, depending on the year, I get excited about March Madness. But I am a Fred Hoiberg fan, and I've been a huge Fred Hoiberg fan since the kid was in high school. Um, I mean, you know, he was as big of a high school figure in the state of Iowa as, well, he's, he's, he's the biggest one, you know, in my lifetime. And, um, you know, I had opportunity to see him play um, two different sports, you know, when he was in high school and, and 
following his career. So I'm a, I'm a huge Fred Hoiberg fan. So um, I think it's kind of a neat story. I can't imagine anything more difficult, though, than coaching your sons at the Division I level. Um, well, I work for uh, McDermott. True. Uh, true. Yeah, Fred Hoiberg's coached in the NBA, and I can't I, – you, you think coaching your sons is difficult. I can't imagine coaching the NBA egos that exist out there and even – even having any idea how to get them all to kind of like coalesce as a team. Yeah. So no, I, I think that's true. Yeah. So uh, Jack, Sam, Charlie, and Paige are the Hoiberg children. Uh, and Todd, I want to uh, comment on something you said. You you said uh, you remember, you know, watching the kid uh, even in high school. I'm like, you know how old you have to be to be able to successfully refer to a 48-year-old man as a kid? <laughs> wow. Ten and years older than him. <laughs> shots, never, shots never end there. The guy just... You know... Okay. Here's, you, you, I want to just share one some, real quick. Here's, here's a real quick Fred Hoiberg story. I'll be, I'll be brief. No, no, no. When, I want to hear a good Fred, Fred Hoiberg story. Well, when, when Fred Hoiberg coached at Iowa State, um, the most of the head coaches, many of the coaches, and the athletic director at that time, Jamie Pollard, but a lot of the people that coached and were in the athletic department, they lived up um, in a housing area up in Gilbert, Iowa, which is north of Ames a little bit. In fact, a lot of them thought they were in the Ames School District, but in reality, they were in the Gilbert School District. And um, so I, I remember that one year when my daughter qualified for the state track meet, she was a half miler, um, 800 runner. And she, uh, she made it to the state track meet. And in Iowa, they run the state track meet at the Drake Stadium on the Blue Oval. One of the bigger, you know, track meets of the year is the Drake Relays. I mean, it's huge. Um, so you got this great big stadium. And anyway, um, my daughter was competing running the half and the four by eight. And uh, my wife and I opted to sit on this kind of this corner, the second, cor- the second corner of the track, second curve and up a little bit. And turn it just two happened. in NASCAR parlance. There you go. And turn two, you got it. And um, it just happened that the Gilbert fans were just a little bit off to our right and just kind of down maybe three or four rows of bleachers. And um, we were sitting with some friends who had come to watch my daughter run that we'd known from a previous job that I had. Anyway, just kind of as you're wandering and looking around, the Hoybergs were there. Jamie Pollard, the AD, he was there. Jim Gibbons, who was a former wrestling coach at Iowa State, and he does a lot of the wrestling broadcasting for the Big Ten Network, he was there. Kevin Jackson, who was the current wrestling coach at Iowa State, he was there. And so they were easily recognizable because I pay attention. They all had kids that were running in the state track. Hmm. And they were all there, you know, as parents, not coaches. And, you know, what really struck me is that their kids were all very competitive. Obviously, they were state qualifiers, good athletes and that kind of stuff. But while you would 
watch other groups, other parents, other other teens, fans and stuff, just going totally nuts and bonkers when their kids are out there running. You know, some of them cheering real loud and losing it and that kind of stuff. These people all just kind of sat back and just watched. And I thought about that a little bit, and I thought, you know, these people coach at a level that none of us have ever experienced. And at least they have some perspective on their own kids and their own kids as competitors. And maybe they don't feel a need to kind of put some of those other kinds of pressures on those kids because they've seen what it can do the way that other people put kind of pressures and stresses on their kids. So maybe that's, you know, maybe I'll fall a crap. But Fred Hoiberg, when his kids were out there, was out there running, he just sat there on the bleachers with his ankles crossed, just as if he was, you know, watching anybody else's kid compete. I thought it was just really interesting. It's a good moment there, Todd. Thank you for sharing. And then they all went home and broke their toilets. <laughs> Um, football. Football. Spring practice is almost upon us. I think it is. Hot dog. Uh, and yeah. The <laughs> and the spring game. <laughs> okay, John. Why don't you take it away, there, buddy? You look like you're about to blow a gasket. Spring games May first. To good- not be denied this time, motherfuckers. Nebraska needs its gathering. <laughs> and uh, with the help of uh, the athletic department and the state governing body, uh, they're saying that, what, up to 75% capacity for the spring game or or 50% now and 75% in the fall? Or, or what, what's, uh, what's the latest? Uh, what's the latest out of Lincoln there, boys? I think what was they the latest percent, but as they might be able to move it up to seventy-five. I, it was uh, one of the national writers made the uh, made the point of saying that Nebraska screen, uh, spring game may be the largest post-COVID, you know, gathering or sports gathering, sports crowd uh, to date. So I wouldn't put it past <laughs> us. Sounds like something we would do. I'm I'm for it. Fuck this fucking pandemic, fucking virus shit. I think Let's get it going. <laughs> John, you've been beating that drum for 12 months now. Well, good God, you know, it's been depressing. All I do is stay home and work all the fucking time. Don't talk to anybody. Go to U.S. Bank Stadium. There's, I have a whole football stadium to myself, basically. <laughs> it's bizarre, and it's not right, and it's depriving of us a, a human emotions and, like, me screaming right in some guy's face. That's what needs to happen. Do you just so, what are you looking up? for this spring, John, from the football team? What am I looking for this spring for the football team? Wow, you know, I haven't thought about it. It's still only six days away for spring practice. What am I looking for? You know, we have we have now one one returning quarterback. I mean, we have some other guys that are on the roster. We have one returning quarterback that has production. So what we're all going to be watching is who in the hell is Logan Smothers and Henrik Hargeberger and and who are these other guys on the roster? You say are they Hargerberger? really going to actually? You know, what you say, Hargeberger? 
Well, you know, the whole Matt Masker thing on our website where nobody, everybody butchers him name, his name. So now we got a Henrik Herding. Uh, that guy is going to get his name butchered forever. Anyway, quarterbacks, I think, you know, I mean, everybody, that's the obvious position. And then there's wide receiver and then there's running back because what we have, and I think I'll do a separate YouTube video on this, actually. What we have is a team uh, that uh, doesn't have a whole lot of returning production, except for one guy. One guy, and everybody doesn't like him. They like him as a guy, but they're like, oh, God, do we have to go through another year of Adrian? And, and is he going to be the only guy? And when he does that short arm, throw the ball off into the stands like a Joe Bosserman pass, you know, are we all going to who's going to who's going to come in the game? You know, he is the most uh, he, he's beloved when he's the backup. I he, He's a, I love the kid. I do. I, I he carries himself well. He uh, I think he's you know, mature he beyond his years. Like, you know. Yeah, he's mature. He, he speaks well. He seems like a leader. He just gets on the field and does not very well sometimes. And that's putting it nicely, you know, somewhat erratic. But uh, so so what are you what are we going to look for? Um, I think we're going to look at uh, it's kind of weird, but we're going to look at who's new. And the biggest key to that is, you know, Dedrick Mills is gone. He's off to the draft, right? Wandale Robinson, gone. Luke McCaffrey, gone. Uh, who's our returning producers? We've got a bunch of, uh, well, not a bunch, but we have returning wide receivers. We just need to get a guy to get him the ball consistently. <laughs> Cade Warner's gone. Yeah, you didn't even name, mention name him. One. Name one Rob wide receiver. Uh, that's coming back? Yeah. Isaiah Betts. Xavier, Xavier Betts. Betts. Okay, I had half of him oh right. Oh, my God. See that? See that? <laughs> Austin Allen. Name another one. Name another wide receiver. Oh, wide receiver. Omar, uh, Manning. Omar Manning. Okay, he didn't play hardly at all last year. I mean, you can name names, but name a guy. The guy. Who's the guy? John Johnston. There you go. There you go. I mean, you've already spoken volumes by not saying anything. Name a tight end that's returning. I just said it, didn't I say Austin Allen? Yep, he is one. Volkolek. Volkolek. Did, did decently. Jag, uh, Stoll is gone. Stoll's gone off the NFL. Well, he, he's gone. Name yeah. a running back. Name a running back. Come on. Uh, Ronald Tompkins. There's one. Yep. How many yards he get? Four. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Ramir Johnson Ramir had showed Johnson. a lot of he showed some bursts with speed. I uh, you know I'm we excited. Don't know shit about this, I'm we don't ex- know shit about this guy coming in from USC and we hope to God that he could be Dedrick Mills the second or anything that can produce yardage. So I think when you look at the spring practice, you're gonna be looking for answers. Who in the hell is gonna take the Scott Frost offense and set it on fire? Because it's just Smoldering, you can tell it's smoldering. Okay, maybe I'm the most optimistic motherfucker on the planet. We all know that, and I'm internally disappointed by everything. But it's you, you just—it's ready to. It wants to blow up, but it's got to have the the fuel. And who's going to provide the fuel? I want. That's to, what you're going to watch for the spring game. The the kid coming in from USC. 
um, you you mentioned uh, you hope he's Diedrich Mills 2.0. Uh, and this is no disrespect to Diedrich, who I loved, and uh, you know I was sad to see go because I thought that there was a lot of untapped potential there. Um, by the way, we need to clarify for the viewers at home that's a non-alcoholic ginger beer that uh, John is so delicately uh, in in sipping. Uh, did you do pinkies out? I couldn't tell. Um, but but the uh, but the but the kid from uh, USC. I and again, no. I want him to be more Divino Zigbo like because I want the uh, I, I want the play callers to actually call his number more often. And I think that's uh, I Diedrich Mills. I, I mean, we talked about it an insane amount during the season, but his biggest hindrance wasn't any of his doing. It was the fact that he didn't get as many opportunities as he should have. Um, yeah, I don't disagree with that. So, so if we can start the games with a sideways pass again, this fucking year, let's do that. Huh? <laughs> if, if we do that, honestly, if there's, if there's one game where we have a misstep, like we had against the, uh, you know, in Illinois, uh, in that situation where, you know, we, first of all, we shouldn't never throw that swing gate, swing gate pass period, let alone first game or, or first play of the game. Uh, deep in our own territory, but as much as it might pay me to do so, out of out of respect for the players who have to put up with that horrible play call, I might turn the game off. <laughs> in, in, in my protest to Scott Frost. Um, yeah. What are you going to watch? What are you looking forward to this spring, Todd? I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. <laughs> What the hell? What have you been thinking about? Socialism? Probably. Yeah. You pinko comedy yeah, bastard. Yeah, I, I've been I've been spending a little time thinking about socialism. Um, of course. Infrastructure and those types of things, yeah. Um, you know, here's I don't know how to put it in words, but I hope that what I hear this spring is not a lot of Kool-Aid drinking bullshit. Um <laughs> It would be nice to hear a little bit of humility. Um, it would be nice if Scott Frost would um, talk about what he's got and what he sees his team being able to do, his players being able to do, rather than throwing this. I mean, he, he's going to have to live down. I don't know if he can ever live down some of the comments that he's made since he's been the head coach, you know, the defenses are going to have to adjust for us, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Um, show some humility and let's, let's prepare, you know, the team uh, to play a little bit more physical kind of game uh, when the fall rolls around and, um, you know, don't put any extra sugar in the Kool-Aid. Um, I'm tired of it. Do you think, uh, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that particular line, but that, that's certainly not that, – that's the one that sticks out, I think, in, in most fans' minds. It's definitely the one that, that uh, you know, fans of other teams throw back in our face most often. But do you think that he really believed that, or do you think that he was playing to his base? I think he really believed that. Okay, well. I, I still believe it. I, I honestly do. I think that when he gets, when he gets the right pieces in place and we, he gets an offense – uh, I I said this since he started. We're going to score forty points a game. We're I missing think- one fucking guy to execute this offense. That's it. You got to find the guy. 
and he's got to execute it. And then it's going to be whoa, 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 zoom, 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 to make it work. He doesn't. He doesn't have the personnel that they had at Oregon State when that team was running that offense. You know, clicking on all cylinders. Oregon, right? Not Oregon State. That's a different team. Oregon, Oregon, Oregon. Clap, clap, clap. Oregon. Thank you. He didn't have, he didn't, he doesn't, he, up until now, maybe we'll see this fall. Maybe we will. He didn't, he didn't have the team that he had at UCF either. No. And he's, he's going to, you know, but he has to adjust a little bit to the physical play in the, in the big thing. And that's one of the reasons he probably went and got that big kid, uh, that big running back from, from USC, you know, and I, I still have a, a belief in Scott Frost as a coach. Um, I like you guys, those swing passes, just absolutely, you know, playing, playing a horizontal game rather than a vertical game. I've never understood that. I've never understood it at any level. Um, it's because his quarterback is terrified to throw the ball down the fucking field. Well, you might that, have. That, that, that's a large part of that. The guy does not have. He goes into games, and if bad things happen, they they just they snowball on them, and well, they have well, to get over that. I hope. I hope that Logan Smothers can step up and at least put some kind of pressure on you know the situation, so that. Adrian Martinez can raise his level of play too. Otherwise, if, if it doesn't look, I mean, at the end of the spring and you know, none of us are division one football coaches, but I would hope that when those guys are looking at things at the end of the spring, if, if Logan Smothers isn't at the place where he can step out on the field and lead this team to wins, then I hope there's somebody in the portal that they can get that can come in and be the starting quarterback over Adrian Martinez because, and I know that might not make a lot of sense, um, but I don't know that Adrian Martinez is going to be able to play 12 football games over the course of a season, you know, at at anywhere close to a hundred percent of his capacity. I just don't see that happening. is is Scott Frost's ceiling tied to like, like, like he hitched his wagon Adrian Martinez you know I mean we had hoped oh we'll get you know new new coach we'll get uh, you know an actual quarterback competition we we've we've wanted true quarterback competitions for damn near twenty years um, but it, it is. Is his reluctance or hesitation to move away from? And I know you know he did it for a game, game and a half, whatever, until Luke started shit in the bed last year. Um, but it's that, that reluctance to move away from Adrian and just make a a firm decision. You know what? He's not our guy. Is that going to be if he if Adrian struggles and no such move is made? Whether it's Logan Smothers, hey, got to get the young kid some some reps you know, uh, whatever. Is that the death knell? Was that the death knell of Scott Frost? Yeah. Let's just say that he needs to get to a bowl game this year. 
at a minimum. He, uh, the problem isn't, I think, that he'd be fired. I think the problem is is that he'd lose everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then the, the problem, really, the problem nowadays, I mean, is that everybody has this, number one, you have social media everywhere. Number two, you have a 24-hour news cycle. I mean, look what happened when Nebraska didn't even respond to the Oklahoma shit for five hours and people took this as some kind of referendum as a terrible fucking program because they didn't respond to something on Twitter for five fucking hours. Five hours. And, oh, my God, Nebraska's the pussy, big, biggest pussies on the planet for five fucking hours. Five hours. Can I say that anymore? But it's not the fact that Tom or that Scott, Tom Osborne, oh, my God, let's go back to Tom Osborne. If Tom Osborne was doing the same shit right now and he had the seasons he had in the late 80s, remember that? Tom yeah. Osborne, does, you got to eat his cereal on a plate because if it's in a bowl, he loses it. That's this crap that we all went through up until about 1991, 1992, and then, you know, 93, 94, and then all of a sudden an explosion happened. Tom Osborne wouldn't have made it through those years now because everybody would have done what they did to Bo Pelini, except that Bo Pelini didn't have some kind of just, you know, Bo Pelini had an explosive personality and got worn out by Nebraska fans, as well as he didn't really put a lot of effort into recruiting. I mean, he would have failed sooner or later. They should have let him fail rather than firing him after a 9-3 and three season. But we've all seen what sort of a dipshit Sean Eichhorst was when it comes to hiring people and managing a, an athletic department. <sighs> anyway, I, I think Scott Frost is going to be a fine coach. I think when it comes to Adrian Martinez, the problem that Scott Frost has is twofold. Number one, he's a decent guy. He's not a motherfucker. If he was a motherfucker, he'd cut him loose in a heartbeat. Number two, he's been a college quarterback himself, and he had a coach that stood behind him to the point that he won a national title. And he knows that if you're going to get the best out of somebody, what you cannot do to them is abandon them. Sure. Because you didn't like how they played or they're, oh, my God, I've tied my rope, my boat to this kid, and it's going over a cliff instead of going down the river like I want. And I think, I mean – Put it this way. Would Steve Spurrier do that? No. Steve Spurrier would have fucking, he would have fucking had the kid probably stabbed in the in a back alley in Florida somewhere. Well, I don't want him as a quarterback. He didn't give a shit about any of these quarterbacks. I like Steve Spurrier. I had a lot of respect for him, and he was fun. But I don't, you know, he's not the same guy that Scott Frost or Tom Osborne are. Well, I, I tell you what, I think one of the things – that has handcuffed that decision a little bit is he hasn't had the, I, I think the difference between Adrian Martinez and whoever this second guy in line was, there was a bigger gap there than what most of the fan base could, could see for themselves. If that makes any sense, you know, Luke McCaffrey, I think the way that he was used at times was where you were going to get the most bang for your buck when you brought that kid in off the bench and threw a different look at the at the at the defense and uh, you know if if things are going well you stay with him for a while but you know it was and, and I understand that you know McCaffrey you know the game that one game that he started 
um, you know, he had a pretty good day. You Penn know, State, I get right? That. Yeah. Yeah. So that... But you know, the, the 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 reality was is that the more he was on the field, the more it showed that he wasn't ready to be in that role. And I think part of the issue is, and and you know, people can talk about his mechanics. You know, the kid was crazy good as an athlete. I mean, you know, just an incredible athlete. Um, but, you know, he had one high school season of being a quarterback, one, before he came in. And he just hasn't had the reps and the exposure. Um, so he he's that guy, you know, that I think, you know, he's he, he's the change-up guy. Um, he still has aspirations of being a, a quarterback and so he's at Louisville now and um, now Logan Smothers is going to be the next one put in that position and you know hopefully Logan Smothers you know has the capacity to lead the Nebraska team to victories because he's going to in my opinion the likelihood that he's going to be out there under center is pretty high so I hope that he can get the job done well you know the Minnesota used uh, oh god their starting quarterback is it's not Tyler Johnson. He's playing for the Bucks. Come on. Tanner Morgan. Tanner Morgan. Tanner Morgan. Yeah, the starting quarterback. He was very accurate with the deep ball. He was a good quarterback. But they also had that second guy. I think it was Seth Green, the big guy. He was real tall. And he would come in and run short yardage and stuff like that. That's Harold Harburg this next season. That's what that guy's going to do. He's going to be our changeup. He's going to be the guy that comes in and they go – Oh God, he's gonna run an option. Oh my God, he's gonna run the wildcat. Oh my God, he's gonna he's gonna go. We don't even know what his name is. That's what he's gonna do. He's gonna be the changeup guy, <laughs> and that's what we're gonna look for in spring. Uh, what is Heinrich Hingelbert up to these days? That's what Nebraska wants to know. <laughs> Where's he gonna be on the depth chart? <laughs> Heinrich Humperdink. <laughs> I was looking forward to seeing him play. I'll tell you that right now. You ask, what am I looking forward to? You know, every year for like, I don't know, a decade, 12 years, we did a uh, a poll at Coronation that I started many years ago. It was called, uh, For What Will We Cheer the Loudest? And every year people would vote on, you know, options I gave them for what we would cheer the loudest on. So, you know, I... Maybe we can cover that on the next podcast, you know, think about the options for that, because I think, you know, the thing, this virus is, this pandemic has been a fucking suck ball of shit hell. You know what I mean? It's, it's, look at all the events that it cost Omaha, where Nebraskans love to come together for their college sports and people outside of Nebraska make fun of us about how much we love our college sports. I guess they don't love shit because they're a bunch of, I don't know, heartless bastards, probably. East and West but, Coast douchebags. Yeah, there you go. But but I, Nebraska really needs a spring game where it, it doesn't even matter if people all get to go in the stadium. They can I, gather in their homes. They can... You know, Joe Biden's going to tell us that uh, the July 4th, you might be able to have a small gathering. Well, fuck that guy. 
You know, you know, I get that there's a virus out there. It's still killing people and it's still a pain problem. But after a while, you got to just kind of move on. And I think, you know, look at me, for God's sakes. I'm not even the same human being I was before this started. I'll tell you what, I think <laughs> they'll fill every seat that they can for the spring game. Every I, I don't care what the number is, you know, ultimately, if it's 50 percent or 75 or whatever, they'll fill every seat that they can. And I got a hunch that downtown Lincoln and the parking lots are going to look like a normal football Saturday in the fall. I think people are just going to come to be in Lincoln because yeah. the football team is playing and it will be, it will, it will be the biggest event until the kickoff of the first game of the year. I, I just, I, people are tired of being cooped up. And that's one of the reasons, you know, why I, I thought the best decision the Big Ten has made in a year is allowing fans to go watch spring sports, you know, to an extent. Because people, people to allow their to allow their own local health departments determine their fate. At this point, I agree. Well, I'm not tied to what is going on in fucking Michigan or New Jersey. You're barely tied to what's going on in Minnesota. Well, you know, they're st- they opened up after the U.S. Bank weekend. That was kind of fun. Not for sporting events, though. They will start opening up on for more sporting events here in a little bit. Now your UK variant has more positive cases than the original, so. Yeah, but yeah. And it, I imagine that, you know, we're going to, at some point, we're going to just say, okay, this is going to go on forever. Let's just. What's that line from The Incredibles? Get busy living or get busy dying. Mom looks at her, when, a, the, when the mom looks at her son and he says, "You're special," and and everybody's special, and he basically he looks up and he says, "That's just another way of saying nobody is." Yeah. Well, you know what? When there's a pandemic and it keeps going on and on and on for years, it's not really a fucking pandemic anymore, is it? It's, it's just, just normal. Yeah. And if you can't figure out where the line is between pandemic and fucking normal or normally you can say on the radio, which isn't fucking, then that's going to be a real problem for everybody going forward. When we just say, fuck it, let's go out and have sex in the street, giant big orgies at the Nebraska spring game. That's what I'm looking forward to. Well, maybe not the orgy part, but well, anyhow, I'll have a camera. I don't know. (laughs) We should have more of this ginger beer. (laughs) Well, all right. Well, do you have to edit any of that out? Did I say anything I would get canceled for? Has any, have we ever, did, did we have enough listeners that people are going to, you know, complain? <laughs> you know, I, I get emails from people sometimes. Really? That I am surprised. Yes. That I am surprised by, wow, God, people actually do listen to this. Got to forward some of those on to me, John. I'm curious. You know, I, I did a YouTube video on uh, the name, image, likeness thing, and I got a nice, very nice email from somebody uh, who said that she had contacted the Nebraska and Creighton Athletic Department, and both of them said that legally they could start paying players because of Nebraska's law, and that's true, but Nebraska and Creighton won't pay players because they don't want to get hammered by the NCAA and they're waiting to see what the NCAA does. 
And I know we're probably past time now, but I want you to think about this. <clears throat> if I was the University of Miami or some school like that, that isn't Nebraska, because God help us, Nebraska's lily white in their athletic department. You know what I'd do if I was the University of Miami? I'd go ahead and start fucking paying. I'd look at my players and say, hey, you know what? Let's do some name image likeness shit. Because right now, the NCAA, what? Oklahoma State, if I understand right, Oklahoma State penalized themselves postseason, but they went ahead to the March Madness anyway. Because the NCAA never ruled on anything. What's the fucking point of this organization? Other than to be a big bureaucracy that stands in the way of anything. And maybe we should cover that on the next podcast. Why the NCAA needs to fucking fire Mark Emmert. God, it's getting late at night and I'm all fired up. Why we need to, that guy needs to go and the NCAA needs to, they need different leadership. They need to do something different. I shouldn't have brought this up at the end of this, should I? That would be fun to tackle. Speaking of tackling, that's our end of the show. (laughs) That'll do it. John's, uh, John's getting a little tipsy on the ginger beer there and, uh, getting awful fired up. I got nothing out. Uh, he's never mind. He's all out. He, he's spent. Uh, (laughs) no, I got, I got nothing else besides ginger beer. You know, I, I don't even do drugs for God's sake. That's good. (laughs) My, my one month old agrees sitting behind me. He's laughing. So, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the five heart podcast. We hope that you appreciate it or enjoy the show. I don't care if you you appreciate it or not. Uh, but, uh, send us a, a comment on, on YouTube or a phone number. They're supposed to call that we've heard. Keep forgetting to bring up. There is. Uh, somewhere is even that printout that says, for a good time call. No, that's not what it says. Um, it is 402-327-1830. They should call, leave a voicemail, and then hear it next week on uh, on the show. So uh, for uh, Todd, the God, Wolverton. Uh, didn't know wow. How, didn't know quite how he'd respond to that, but I'll, I'll take it. Uh, John Dam Johnston. Uh, I'm Greg Mahochko. This is the Five Heart Podcast, and uh, and that's it. John's falling. Go Big Red! Way. Wait, I didn't I didn't get my thing yet. I, I, I'm out of practice, but you got to let me try. Okay. We remind you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Oh, big red chocolate rain. (laughs) (laughs) That's a callback.